Hi, I'm Chris Hutchings and I'm your host. Welcome to the 10Q Interview Podcast. In today's episode, I talk to IT Trouble Free founder, Ollie Denhard. What an interesting guy this fella is. I took a lot away from this one and I'm sure you will too. If this is your first time here, I wish you a very, very warm welcome. I hope you enjoy this podcast. I think you will. If you do, let me know your favorite bit on social media at 10Q Interview everywhere you may listen. And don't forget, most importantly, to hit subscribe or follow wherever you are listening to this. It would mean the world to me, and I'm sure Ollie too, if you share this episode far and wide. There is loads of takeaways in there, and I think you're going to think of at least one person when listening to this who would benefit from also hearing it. Make sure to let them know. Anyway, enough from me. Now, on to the podcast. Mr. Ollie Denhard, thank you so much for joining me on 10Q Interview this afternoon. It's a uh, an honour to have you here and something I've been looking forward to an, for a while. I know we've been put it off a bit, so thank you. Oh, thanks for having me. It's good to be here. And I might as well come clean now for the people listening to this. This is the second time we are going through this intro and the first couple of questions because some idiot who will remain nameless forgot to press the record button. Uh, <laughs> and bearing in mind, there's two of us in this conversation. wouldn't take a rocket scientist to work out who that is. That's very anyway. honest of you. You could have easily got away with that. Well... <laughs> I could have done, but I think, I don't know, depending on how the conversation goes the next couple of minutes, it might be a bit weird, so I thought I'd get in there early. <laughs> Ollie, you meet a stranger and they ask you what you do. What is it you're most likely to say to them? A little bit rehearsed, but um, <laughs> we, uh, and not, not yeah, not because of the take two bit, but I do a bit of networking, so I have to kind of answer this um, from time to time. So uh, we help businesses, schools, charities keep their IT safe perform well and ultimately we're there you know well supported i should say where that we we look after all of their technology needs so quantify that a little bit more we're effectively an outsourced it provider so we we're like the it department that most big businesses have got but yeah um, most of the people we work with are too small or haven't got the budget to do it themselves okay right where do we go now then so obviously you and i discussed this so i'm trying to think of a way of spicing this up and I'm going to change a bit because you said then about your answer was rehearsed for networking. Do you do a lot of networking? Starting to do more. Okay. Um, obviously, natural, um, use the P word. Um, the, the pandemic stopped quite a bit of it. Um, but we, I've done, um, I've, I've networked in one form or another for, for years. Uh, yeah, so, you know, the normal kind of, weekly breakfast meeting style stuff um yeah. is, is quite stable and in all honesty i've got uh i formed this business five and a half years ago now um part bought my uh my previous business partner out without going into that in too much detail but all of the customers we've got since then have um anything that's not been a referral has come from networking and oh, i'd okay. say we're broadly 50 50 on that um we've done very little you know other if you will, traditional marketing or, or, or Google ads or any of that kind of uh, kind of work. It's all very much been personal relationship stuff. And the networking stuff, is it like these business event breakfasts and lunches, that kind of stuff? Yeah, so uh, most of it is a, is a regular morning. So we do two a month, the group that I'm at. So we did that on Zoom during, during you know, the pandemic and that was all good. And so we got some good relationships, you know, even from from that with, you know, new people as well as, as, as old. Um I'm sure everyone's had it now, but someone I got to know pretty well through that I met for the first time uh, only, I don't know, four or five months ago when we finally went fully in person again. Mm. And um, he's about a foot taller than I thought. You, know, you just have that <laughs> perception of people when you've never met them and you're just expecting a certain thing. And yeah, he was a, he's a giant. <laughs> I think it's, it's really interesting you, you speak so positively about networking. I, I've done bits and pieces of it over the years and I even worked for a networking organisation few few years ago and I always I always thought a little bit negatively about it like it was a bit forced or a bit I don't know I'm just a bit salesy trying to and I didn't know how many people actually drove that much business out of it I think it depends on the the, the organization I've definitely been to some of those meetings where you just feel like you're um you've sort of paid to be sold to um and that's definitely not fun <laughs> i don't go to those if i can avoid it uh there, there's some you know more there's definitely you know better and more structured um ones out there if you will that aren't like that it's much more about getting to know somebody and um particularly if it's 
um, you know, a regular one, like I like I mentioned there on the, on the Fridays, twice a month that I do mostly there. Um, it's not about selling to those people in the room. It's about, you know, hopefully them hearing that there's, um, what's the right word? Uh, you know, one of their contacts or friends or whatever it might be needs, mm. some, needs in our case, obviously needs some help as a problem with their IT or whatever it is. And they would, they would recommend us. It's just about forming a relationship that, um, as I say, isn't necessarily about selling to those people just around the table. It's, it's, it's their contacts. And that that's, what's always worked for me for, I don't know, 20 years, I guess it is now I've been doing networking in one. So as a sub for a previous boss, you know, years ago, but, um, over the last 10 years or so, it's definitely been, you know, just be there to chat to someone. If they've got a question, you try and help, you know, it's, it's just quite, um, certainly non selly uh, that's, well, that's not my style anyway, but, but, you know, just be there to help have a chat. Are you, are you doing, when you can. are you doing any stuff online? Um, not, uh, well, actually I've just joined a new group, um, which, uh, was recommended to a while ago and just hadn't hadn't been able to attend any of their events to date so um, they do I think it's free meetings a month online and you can go to all of those as part of the menu uh, menu as part of your subscription even right. um, and then uh, they do at least one in-person event a month that that you can go along to as well um, what about so, what about sort of all the personal branding stuff and you know the kind of the thought leadership stuff and you know on LinkedIn and Twitter and all that um, I haven't done done any of those as such no i mean i i've been a um, been a, a member of kind of changed the, the the name and the flow i suppose the last couple of years but what was a mastermind fairly you know atypical yeah. mastermind group so uh the one that i've got the most out of is a is an it pr- service providers only one so we're all from different areas we don't compete um but we're able to kind of share stories and you know help each other out that's interesting I, some, someone asked me to join a mastermind pretty recently and i i hadn't said yes or no either way i just hadn't really got around what was your sort of i'd be interested to hear your thoughts on you know on masterminds what you reckon i think similar to what you said before about networking there's definitely some good ones and some yeah. not so good ones shall we say being polite um i would say i think as a whether it's in a mastermind format or or another format just having other people that you can work with that you you know you you form a some trust and stuff with that get to know your business a bit um i think it's really worth it or you know if it's not in a mastermind format doing whether it's one-to-one or some sort of small group coaching of some description i I don't you know the reality is nobody knows everything about everything yeah um so whether it's experiences um or, you know, just a sounding board or, you know, combinations of those things. I would say those those formats, in my experience, have been very good. Previous business partner did one um, for a while, got quite a lot from that. I've been doing this one now for, must be four years, I think, coming up this oh, year. okay, that's a long time. And I, I've got a coach separately, so I work with him and he runs, not quite mastermind style, but um, uh, a group of people once a month get together. He forms some subjects for conversation. Right. Um, which again can be really useful and naturally people then are sharing their experiences and their thoughts and you know questions come up so I think I think they're really worth it I think it's I guess uh, I was a bit apprehensive in some respects about the IT one just because you're working with your competitors ultimately yeah and, and that could be concerning um, but actually um, that that's been really really powerful I just make, I guess a piece of advice would be just make sure you can get people in the room with you that are kind of a relevant, you know, size um, for you. So it's obviously it's not a sales thing. It's not about, are they going to be customers? Although, you know, often that can, that can come out of it as well. Yeah. Um, but you know, you don't want to be there with a really small business or a really big, sorry, you don't want to be there with predominantly much larger or much smaller businesses in many cases. Cause you know, again, the relevance sort of slips a bit. So, so when you say powerful, would you would you go so far as to say game changing, powerful, like business changing? It could be if you can embrace it and um, you know trust it and trust the people. I, I definitely think it can be really you know useful and beneficial. I mean, the, the, for instance, the one I the IT one that I that I go to, uh, the person that runs it is um, had a a B two B marketing business effectively that he sold some years ago right. um for, was doing masterminds anyway and has now gone completely into the it service provider world with 
some marketing content, blah, blah, blah. Um, but actually, the again, the, the knowledge that you get in the room of, so, sorry, I'm, I'm jumping off without finishing answering the question. Um, I thought I would go along and learn about how to market the business, how to, you know, sell, how to grow and, and do those things because that was something I was, you know, particularly interested in. Yeah. Uh, but actually, probably for the first two years or so, a large part of what I got from it was more, much more the operational, the whole staff side of things. Um, you know, we, we've added four or five members of the team, you know, in the, in that time. So how to find the right people, how to, you know, train them and coach them and all of the other stuff that goes with staff has been really, really useful. Um, okay. And then now I'm finally starting to pick up a bit more marketing and growth and, um, you know, other, other areas, if you will, where I, where I thought I was going to at the beginning. Oh, well, okay. So for those who don't know, um, I mean, I'll obviously link to it in the show notes. So what was your company called? Oh, we're IT Trouble Free. Okay. And you're essentially an outsourcer for schools and charities predominantly, you said? Um, the largest number of clients is actually still businesses, but okay. they tend to be smaller. So we're probably, um, I'd say, yeah, about 50%, maybe just over on the business side. And then the schools and the charities make up probably somewhere between 40, 45%, somewhere around about that kind of split. Okay. So you're currently an IT guy. What did you want to be when you were a kid? (laughs) Um, Yeah, I definitely the thing that comes to mind is potentially being, it was, I wanted to be, should I say a special effects coordinator. So, um, you know, blowing shit up. um, What what was, how old are you? Do you mind me asking? Uh, 40. Okay, so slightly younger than me. So what I'm trying to think, what was the catalyst behind that? So it's sort of Star Wars-y type stuff back then, was it? Um, and that, you know, I still haven't watched any of the older Star Wars all the way through, which some of my mates would probably kill me about if I'd made wow. it in front of them. That's quite, that's quite a... I've I mean, watched the newer you, ones. You said to me beforehand about the, you didn't know what the question answer to number three might be. I think, there you go. I think that might answer it. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um no, I I definitely love action films and and that kind of stuff. So uh, okay. yeah, car chases, you know, explosions, gunfights, all of that kind of stuff. I found quite you know interesting, exciting, whatever you want to call it. And I just thought it seemed really cool. Um, I mean, the reality of certainly back then, anyway, trying to do that in the UK um, made me I don't know find something a bit more grounded, a bit more realistic. Did you ever explore it? Not. Not hugely. Um, I did look into it a little bit. Um, I, I don't know. I think, as I say, I, w- I wanted to do it because it seemed really cool, whether that was actually something I wanted to do and what I know now about the film industry and yeah. um, some of that kind of stuff. I think I'm probably glad that I didn't do it in reality. Well, I, I mean, obviously, I, I, for people who may or may not recognise your name, like I, I spoke to your brother, Danny, in, I think he's not, he might have even been episode number two, actually. I'll have to go back. It was one check. of the early ones, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I know where you guys grew up, but you were not so obviously not far from like Leavesden and Elstree and those places. Like I've, I didn't know if that had, had any impact. Like if you knew anyone who sort of was in that world or not. Not, not at that stage. More, um, you know, latterly in life, I do know a few people that are doing you know stuff in that world. And my my cousin's partner over in they're they're in LA, but he he used to do some of that kind of stuff again i didn't know him when i you know when i when i felt that was what i wanted to do with my life but uh, yeah uh yeah he he'd um worked on a number of films doing that kind of stuff and built animatronics puppets and all sorts of stuff like that so still find it very interesting whenever i get a chance to you know you see those kind of uh what was the what was the one i just remember being glued to um independence day like the making of it yeah and of course that was very technology driven of course because they didn't didn't find aliens and bring them down to earth to record um well i guess that that was just before like the whole real cgi stuff started really taking effect right yeah i think that was the first to my memory i'm sure someone will correct me but that was like the first film i remember watching where it was actually like you know real yeah uh, or looked like it was real i'll rephrase that obviously (laughs) real aliens (laughs) yeah exactly yeah real alien yeah that's a whole other conversation um yeah you know obviously um, I've watched bits and pieces of the Star Wars films. I've obviously watched the newer ones. Um, so yeah, you can even back then. I think you could tell quite clearly that they were a very, very long way away from being real. But that's like when you see these um, pictures on social media now, when they're like filming 
I don't know, Marvel, like Avengers or something like that, and you basically see the characters in their outfits, and it's yeah. just green screen. Yeah. Like, like a football stadium-sized green screen thing. I mean, obviously what they create is amazing, but at the same time, it's a little bit strange and a little bit... must be weird as an actor to... I was going to say, but trying to be an actor in that environment must be really tough. I, mean, I remember seeing, I don't know what film it was now, but um, they obviously needed to focus on a on something at a particular height. So they had a tennis ball at the end of a stick, basically. And that, mm-hmm. that was the meant to be the face of the person they were talking to. I, I just that, remember... I, I think that was the Lord of the Rings one. That? I think that was Gollum or something. I, remember, I think I remember, vaguely remember seeing that. Yeah, it's so, one yeah. of those things that I guess it's kind of a really interesting topic and something you get into. But I wonder what... Probably speak to these people and like in real life, they're just, they just... They say how boring it is or how um, mundane, I don't know. But... Yeah, well, I, I I really enjoy what I do and, you know, what we achieve for our, our clients, but most people would probably see, you know, day-to-day IT support as pretty dull and boring. I yeah. think, you know, when, when it's what you do every day or or if you've got no understanding of it, if you look at it from, like, the two polar opposites, I guess you can quite easily, um, you know, see stuff as a bit boring or not so interested. Yeah, I agree. We'd all be doing the same thing then. otherwise, right? Yeah, 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 for sure. Okay. Um. Tell me something about you that not many people know. Uh, well, I gave one away, didn't I? I guess that uh, most people would expect I'm a I'm a, a Star Wars nut, I suppose. Um, you know what? I, it's not even that I would expect you a Star Wars nut. It's more that who hasn't in that watched age, them? That age when we, when <laughs> you so you're a couple of years younger than me, but like Star Wars was massive back then, and I guess for anyone who's young, like you know, sort of younger listening to this, I'm trying to think of what the equivalent would be. And I'm not sure what like, it is. Well, it's going to be like Harry Potter, I suppose. If you're yeah. like, a, okay. yeah, yeah, if good, you're like yeah. a late teens, twenties, or whatever now, I suppose that's probably older than that, isn't it? Late late twenties or whatever. That's probably a really good um, analogy, actually. But nearly everyone's seen those, and that's yeah, that's I've, kind of that's that's. The I've weird seen thing. chunks of most of them. Um, I just don't. I don't know. I just I I couldn't say why it wasn't. I don't remember thinking you know they were rubbish or I was bored or you know it's not that we weren't allowed to watch them or any of that kind of stuff. I've I've seen. I can remember the bits. I don't even know what film it was, but like going through the forest where the the big white walking things, whatever they are, were and and um, you know, I've seen bits and pieces of most of them, but just just never actually sat there from start to finish and watched them, watched any of the older or the original ones if you like all the way through. But yeah. I, every time I've gone, I've gone to the cinema with friends to watch, you know, the newer releases the last few years. And every time I come away, I go, I must sit and watch the other ones. And then there's a whole big conversation about, you know, my mates go on about which order you're supposed to watch them in and all of that kind of stuff. <laughs> and then I just go, it sounds like a lot of hard work. I don't think I'm going to do it. <laughs> yeah, I suppose it takes the novelty away a bit, doesn't it, when you're trying to, when it's that planned and controlled. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, but I mean, you, you mentioned it already. But my brother, so I, I suppose a lot of people don't don't know I'm a twin. Uh, it doesn't doesn't sort of naturally come up, and I don't know. It's it's unusual enough still that, that it's still, you know, not. I say it's, it's unusual. It's not that common, so it doesn't always come up in conversation. You say it to people, and they're always really surprised, like it's um, I don't know, some special gift or something. <laughs> but it's just 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 what we've always known. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's quite a strange thing, I guess for someone who's not a twin to to think yeah. about well and i think obviously you know at the time we were when we were born it you know wasn't always that common that um people could carry twins to term you know like health of mothers and certain stuff mm. wasn't so you know wasn't always they weren't always able to i went to school with two other sets of twins which was really really strange so of course you know i wouldn't think it was un- i'd think it's even less unusual than a lot of people um but yeah it's only it's only the you know, most recent numbers of years, I think it's much more common or seems to be, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm aware of it. When, when people find out you're a twin, do they ask questions about whether or not you can communicate with Danny? Like That's near enough always the first question. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, well, that, the, the, actually, the, the funny, funniest one with me and Danny is um, some years ago now, um, we, we were on a, you know, standard Friday night out. We must have been, I don't know, 18, 19 or whatever, I guess. And um, he brought a, a girl along they'd been seeing and she would absolutely not have it that we were even related, let alone twins, because we look nothing alike. He's yeah. very dark haired. I'm quite fair. Um, and um, I, we ended up getting ID out to, to prove it. And even then there was some um, 
significant amount of distrust i think with uh, <laughs> with whether we were on the wind up was like that's that's a lot of effort to go through to get fake id to prove that yeah but uh yeah yeah there's a few little things like that we ne- never had that twin moment or uh yeah i don't feel pain or you know when he does or any of that kind of stuff yeah <laughs> i just I'm so, i just think i just knew it'd be the first question most people ask you it's funny um Tell me about one of the most pivotal moments in your life. I think it's probably got to be, I I bought my, I think I, sorry, was it in the first edit or was it in this one? Um, I, I bought effectively half my previous business from my business partner or ex-business partner, should I say, Okay. about five and a half years ago when I set this up. So I think pivotal in the sense that gone through a few years before that of, of you know, challenging times in that business and things not going quite the way that you know we'd intended or I, I wanted or various other stuff that um we shouldn't talk about in this podcast um but yeah I think just knowing having I mean I've got a business partner now who's essentially silent in the business so it's not that I can't work with somebody else but having the um freedom relatively speaking now to to, to go and um you know do what I think is right and and treat people the right way and you know do our customers as well as our staff and and do things the way that I wanted to it's given me a great deal of you know freedom and pride and all of that kind of stuff in the business the last five and a bit years um so yeah I, I can't can't think of too many other big uh, things in uh, my life as such. I don't know what you can and can't talk about but sure. out of curiosity were so I'm gonna kick myself because I can't remember who said it one of my previous guests, one of his uh, one of his pieces of advice for people was around partnerships in business in particular, but actually it, it goes out to everything. And he was saying about making sure you're aligned. And I'd never really thought about it before then, but he said, you know, he and this guy set up a business and then it got to about a year, I think it was a year down the line, and they suddenly realized actually they were working to different things like one of them wanted to work a bit harder than the other one of them wanted the business to be a bit bigger than the other and he said that essentially these this misalignment of what they both wanted and what they both yeah. thought to get it there pretty much destroyed the business i can i can totally see that i i uh, there's not an nda or anything it's not that i can't talk about it it's just not everything's always appropriate is it to share um I we 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 were working together for five years when it was actually five years to the day when I left um was from when we started um and and totally what you just said just a minute ago there I'd, I'd like to totally echo we we were in different places we wanted different things we wanted to do it differently mm. um and but did you ever have that conversation prior to yes and no so I think I take it out of context slightly for a second it might be easier to, to sort of explain but uh totally if you're not aligned there's always there's going to be friction there's going to be some issues and mm-hmm. and it's depending on your relationship or how that relationship started in the first place is going to really dictate what happens next so yeah uh putting that into context um we um it the i joined that business um i had a book of customers and a lot of experience and various other stuff um but it, it was always my my business partner's business if you like okay and i think there was all particularly the things that we kept banging into at the end excuse me or, or you know towards the end of our relationship were were where i think i don't know that i ever actually said this to him but it's I, as i say I, i'm open and straight about stuff i wouldn't say anything now that i wouldn't have said to him but um I don't think he could ever release or give away the fact that he, he wasn't totally in control and it wasn't just his. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, going back to alignment, if you're, um, you know, if you're not able to um, find, you know, your own channels, if you like, and, and, and work on the stuff that you need to and deliver, then I think there's always going to be friction or problems, you know, that, that, that come off the back of that without doubt. Yeah. It's funny. It's when, when the person told me, and I'm going to kick myself to who it was, but it was so obvious. Yeah. But sometimes these totally obvious thoughts and pieces of advice just don't get shared down because people assume it's obvious. But I, since that podcast went out, and I'm going to have to have a look now because it's bugging me. Um, since well, while podcast... you're looking for that, my my uh, 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 I spoke to an accountant when I was considering my my options in in that kind of exit if you like 
Yeah. And um, his, his advice then was around, uh, sorry, it was before I was le- before I planned to leave while we were trying to work out share structures and different things for what we were going to do next. And um, his view was was quite, A, he was very aware that if, if you're, you know, the founder, then there's always a, a different type of relationship and feeling of ownership and all of that kind of stuff, which, which yeah. you need to address. And uh, anyone that's going into that environment that's likely to be going through, you know, taking on a stake in the business and all of that kind of stuff just be really clear about what that really means if there's still a founder in place to you yep. and to them and and get it out at the beginning if you, from a direct piece of advice is what i would say you should do yep. but also he, he was very clear like you know if, if you're uh, if you haven't got a 50 50 stake then there's always going to be a split even without the founder relationship there's always going to be a, a potential split there about you know what that looks like and and who can make a decision or yep. who makes a decision about what so some guys that I work with now, I say work with, they're in my kind of mastermind group that we talked about earlier. They've got a pretty good uh, way of, of working out things. I think they, there's three of them, uh, two are brothers and, and, a, and a really you know lifelong friend of theirs, as far as I can understand the relationship long-term. Um, but they, um, I think one of the guys still, the original founder still owns, you know, a, a larger stake in the business, but they've got, um, they've essentially um, uh, embraced traction really cleverly. Okay. Um, so they've got, individual responsibilities within the business so one of them looks after all the kind of sales and marketing function one of them looks after all of the kind of operational delivery side of things and and the other chap looks after the finance and yeah they've had it a few times where maybe one of them thinks that they should do something in a different way but fundamentally they've agreed from the beginning that that you know if it's an ops decision it's the ops person's decision to make and the other guys have to get on board with that that's a good Um, way to look at it actually yeah um, so I think being very clear about, you know, what you're doing, there's a whole load of other stuff around that, that, you know, that went on in my previous business and and I'm sure does in lots of businesses every day. But I think if I, if we were that clear on that back then, I think that would have, you know, made a difference to where we were, what we were doing and where that business was at. Yeah. Um, just for the record, it was Caleb Parker who said about the alignment thing. I just thought it was really solid and actually to your point, I guess when things are going well, doesn't really matter right everyone's happy and everyone it's when that it's when that friction just creeps in a little bit for whatever yep. reason that yeah it's tough i think it but, depends on what you're trying to align in fairness i'm not not that caleb's not wrong at all but if you're you know we 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 as in my family or my my brother and my sister we we were all brought up with you know very strong kind of morals and sense of right and wrong and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. um so i think if you're you know aligned on that type of stuff then actually you can probably work out a lot of the other things around it yeah um and that's not to say my business partner ex-business partner sorry was a shy store and don't get me wrong i'm not trying to throw a sideways thing in there but if if you fundamentally got different beliefs or you've got radically different you know outcomes or things you're prepared to accept or do or whatever yeah i think you know you're you're potentially you know it's it's not it's not if it happens is it? i think it's going to be when yeah agreed agreed I, I look I'm just looking at the next question now and I, I don't know if it's going to be a, a follow-on or something that's totally different but what tell me about one of or some of the most valuable lessons you've learned in life I've got to say trust your gut um a lot of people don't or you're taught perhaps taught's a strong too strong an expression but you're I think you are taught to some extent to to suppress it because if you feel differently to, to a scenario, a lot of people will tell you not to or, you know, mm. see what happens or that kind of stuff. But I, f- I think most people in a lot of circumstances, if not most circumstances, probably have already made the right decision at the beginning. Um, and have you, have you got any examples of when you have or haven't trusted and you should have or shouldn't? Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, certainly it's related to the previous one. I, I, I felt numerous times that perhaps we weren't aligned in fairness and we weren't going to be going down the same road in that previous business but I think in personal you know personal relationships as well um there's definitely been times when I haven't trusted my gut if you take it the other way and or or you know that feeling that you've got that you know you need to do something different or something else Mm. um um not not suppressing it and trying to put it to one side and pretending it's okay um, when when your body's screaming at you that it <laughs> that it isn't. Uh, I'd certainly say yeah that that's definitely a you know valuable lesson and I haven't always probably you know I'm still going to make mistakes right but I haven't always taken that on board even having realised how important it is. Why why do you think that p- 
people don't trust their gut? God, so many reasons. Big question. Um, I think, I think obviously different scenarios will will you know different things. Um, if you're a, a, a optimistic person and you're generally looking or hoping for the best, then you know you're not going to want to believe that that bad thing that you've got that feeling about is going to be right. And I, I'd say I'm um, more that type of person than a than a kind of a negative person. But on the flip side, of course, someone who's got those deep rooted kind of negative feelings is is also going to probably be concerned about something that feels really good because maybe they yeah. maybe they're just waiting for it to go wrong. <laughs> um, certainly seen that happen in a few times with people yeah we're a mess aren't we humans we're <laughs> all over the place very true yeah there's there's a lot of uh yeah there's a lot of stuff <laughs> for sure okay superpowers i believe that everyone has one or at least one what would you say is yours um i think I don't know. I was trying to think of the right way to word this. De- deconstructing a problem is is probably the best sort of words I could come up with. So, okay. whether it's de- deconstructing it or dissecting it, like kind of being able to get to the 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 root of something. That doesn't always mean that the outcome or the solution's easy, but at least being able to see where we're, or and actually actually more so probably with what we do now, striving to get to that point, even if it's not really obvious or really easy. Because okay. um, if you don't know what the route is, then often, you know, you're going to just put a plaster over it and not actually be able to, you know, ultimately find the solution. I agree. I had a very similar conversation with someone very recently about that exact topic. And um, it's quite a superpower, actually, because I think that not everyone, maybe it's people don't want to necessarily, as opposed to can't, I don't know. I think life's busy as well, right? So if you... Mm. Um, if it's happened and it's done, is there always a need to understand something or take it apart or, or um, you know, pick the scab off the wound if it's if it's a you know a, a quite of a painful thing potentially to, to deal with as well. Yeah. I think uh, uh, people just want to move on with stuff or don't want to um, replay those those painful or those bad experiences. Maybe um, I guess certainly it... professional. No, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I guess it depends if it's a one-off, right? I mean, the yeah. context is important. I mean, or if it's something that's going to keep coming back or needs to be fixed. I don't know. Are you, are you a... Um, do you like fixing things? Yeah. Are you a I fixer as I... opposed to a replacer, I guess, is the... Uh... Uh, yeah, I, I want I want stuff to be... I've got a really strong sense of like right and wrong, and I want stuff to be right and therefore i want to fix it if it's gone wrong mm. um and that that's not always good because you can't always fix everything and i find that frustrating at times no, I, uh, so I, that... I do as well someone said that to me the other day like, oh you get so frustrated when you can't fix something i was like yeah i do <laughs> well particularly like professionally because i've I, you know i don't profess to know everything like i said before but i've been doing this 20 years now and there's not a lot of stuff i haven't not necessarily seen exactly that because tech changes so fast, but seeing something yeah. similar or whatever it is. And naturally a lot of what happens in our world is, you know, something fails, someone does something wrong. Um, you know, it wasn't done in the right time. Um, you know, that whole kind of concept of crap in crap out, for instance, with set systems or give a wrong instruction, you know, yeah. that kind of stuff. So I, I've, um, I, I, yeah, I do like to kind of, try and take it apart understand what what's done it even if ultimately you can't really change it at the end of it at least you've tried to understand why and tried to do something about it well that's because you know next then there might be a next time right yeah yeah absolutely yeah and, and hopefully next time it either won't happen or you know what to do yeah um and that that's a you know large part professionally about what i've always done i suppose and what this business this business does how often do you hear the gag about turning something off and back on again yeah uh, nearly as often as the the twin thing about do you, do you know do you, do you know what they're thinking or do you feel their pain yeah very, very uh, but you, you know what i always say this to people when they when they make the joke like if it if it wasn't so true people wouldn't say it and yeah. um not not everybody uses a mac that can can stand being on for for several weeks at a time but the reality is stuff isn't designed to be on 24 7 365 and actually if you just switch it off occasionally it generally works better no, and true. you know there's a reason a lot of stereotypes become stereotypes i think yeah there is 
I uh, fun, sort of slightly funny story on that um, taking things apart um, thing. So uh, I've always liked to, you know, take stuff apart, you know, kind of work with my hands, work on stuff and spend a lot of time obviously building PCs and that kind of stuff in, in my, you know, younger, younger years while I was learning the ropes in technology in IT. But uh, my dad's horror one day when he came home and a friend of, of mine, uh, his bike was making a funny noise and we decided to spend the afternoon completely dismantling his um whatever it was 20 odd speed um <laughs> mountain bike that was only about a week old because it was making this strange noise so he came home and there was literally all of the cogs individually separated oh, out on the wall at home and you know literally all, all of the component parts um but we'd lost interest by then so we uh we were struggling to put it back together but um my my poor dad <laughs> had to uh had to do the hard work shall we say afterwards at putting it back together so not as bad as that anymore were you, were you into sport as a kid? Yeah, um, Danny and I were both yeah really into football and like you know cricket and and um, I guess they were the main ones and you know the stuff oh tennis I suppose sure I should have said that's, that that's why I asked because he he when I spoke to him a lot of what he talked about was sports related but actually you hadn't mentioned it until then I was like oh I wonder if there's like if there was that same interest or not yeah we we um, yeah, we, I mean, we, it was it was great, you know, um, always having a, a, a partner to compete against, I suppose, as well. Uh, or pl- I was going to say play with, but that just naturally turned into compete against because I guess that's what we've always done. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, always had a tennis a tennis mate to play with. So, we, you know, we used to spend hours and hours and hours playing tennis um, in the park up the road. Um, you know, we had obviously various coaches and different things between us. But, yeah, mostly it was just going and um, trying to beat each other. Um, who, who was better at tennis? Um, tennis was would be me. I think Danny would say that. To be fair, um, okay. yeah, I think I'd say the football. He probably had the edge. But in fact, he'd say he definitely had the edge. Let, let's, uh, you know, um, yeah. So and and in cricket and and some other bits and pieces we played through school. So yeah, always loved playing sport. I was um, quite a lot fitter when I was younger, rather than sitting at a desk and not eating particularly well these days. Yeah, I hear you, man. I hear you. <laughs> um, talk to me about topics that are guaranteed to get you on your soapbox i do you know what there's probably so many and most of them i wouldn't even um wouldn't even be able to think about but um i, I do find myself getting wound up about stuff some days um i think i um i really can't stand um hypocrites um and that that's guaranteed to rile me and and, and get me going on one about you must love all the politics news coming about at the moment, oh, i can't then. stand it it's just crap <laughs> And it, but it's never and oh god, they, see look, there you go. Um, I I don't know. It's hardly it's, surprising. It's scary that the first thing that came to my mind when you said the word hypocrite was politics, <laughs> just for a start, right? And and I challenge anyone that's listening into this to disagree with mm. uh, <laughs> with that thought. Though. Yeah, I know. That's the sad thing. Um, I think yeah, I, I if you don't if you're not going to do something or don't want to do it, just don't do it or say you're not going to do it. Don't don't say something different at the beginning i just i can't get i could i've just got no logical understanding about why you would ever do the opposite you know to it yeah. but i appreciate hypocrisy is a bit different you know you've got to identify that perhaps you a lot of people can't see should i say that that they're doing that thing that they hate um even though they talk so avidly about hating it um so yeah i'm not about to go and run for for number 10 or anything anytime <laughs> soon but um but I'd, if you take politics specifically, why 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 is it okay in this country? Well, I think it's probably true everywhere, isn't it? But why can they stand up and say that they're going to do all of this stuff and then not do it? And that's just what's expected. And then they wonder why younger people particularly haven't got I mean, any time for politics. It's, not, it's, it's just hypocrisy on so many levels, right? From exactly what you've said about uh, mandates and policies and all that sort of stuff to, you know, like running running election campaigns on these things, and then when they're getting in, not doing it. Yeah. Or, I mean, some of the ones recently where, like, you know, I don't want this to turn into politics podcast because I get on my soapbox, but <laughs> like, how can it be that you know, one minute it's like, oh, we're not voting for this guy; we're going to vote for this woman to come in and be prime minister. He's not good enough, and she is. And then all of a sudden, it's like three weeks later, she's not good enough. And the one they didn't think was good enough is now good enough. And no one seems to like, it's just, it's weird how no one really seems to talk about it. 
and it just sort I, of glosses over. It's like, oh, okay. I think I'm not trying. I I don't think that politics. Um, I don't think they're just affected by the media. I think it's more than that. I, I think the media have got a huge role to play in what they choose to talk about versus all of the stuff that actually happens. Oh, 100%. Um, I mean, there's a, 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 and I, I don't know if I just didn't care before. Um, it's only in the last, you know, last few years I've, I've really noticed how much particularly negative stuff is, is obviously spoken about, you know, I, I just stopped watching the news, you know, a few months into the, the pandemic starting because mm-hmm. honestly, what was the point? We knew yeah. what was going on in the world. Um, and, and I felt like that again recently with, you know, with the, the whole political debacle in this country, because um, all they're talking about is the bad things that's happened or how many people have disagreed with it or whatever it is that's going on. And if it's not politics, it's how many, you know, whatever companies on strike at the minute and all of that kind of stuff or how much profit Shell have made. Yeah, There's no, very rarely do they cover the other side of the story. Um, well, it's I, like I, a, another one of my guests used the phrase "what enrages engages," right? And, and that's yeah. exactly it. It's all about clicks. It's all about views, and yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit scary, isn't it? Really? Yeah, I think the other thing, changing the subject, try and drag this away from politics <laughs> for you. Um, I I don't profess to get this right by any stretch of imagination, but I, I again, keen sense of right and wrong. I kind of I think I understand pretty well. Um, when we're doing something right or not um, it, the whole kind of like leadership and putting people into teams in particular in in like bigger businesses and stuff yeah um, that 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 definitely has got me on my soapbox a few times the last couple of years with you know what what friends have done or are going through if you like in in companies and um, just lot, lots and lots of reasons but like people that are you know should know better or running boards or whatever they might be just how do you mean by that? No sorry, I, I think I missed yeah. that. Um, well, yeah, sorry, I'm kind of merging about five things together. I, I like, for example, um, uh, what would be a good example without uh, probably saying too much <laughs> that shouldn't have been shared outside of their company. Um, <laughs> but next time you sit around the dinner table, they're like, I can't believe you said that. <laughs> well, if you you know, like you've you've got a board that obviously is supposed to you know handle the direction of the business and they're supposed to be you know the leaders and and i'm not saying you should always agree with them or that they've always oh, got... you mean doing right and wrong at a corporate level is that basically what we're saying yeah whether that's for individuals or the business or or whatever yeah. but also just just like sometimes it's like the glaringly obvious that's slapping them in the face or should be i think and that you know like a friend of mine's gone through this recently so you know they've decided to form a couple of these like mini groups of like leadership people you know which in principle is good because they should be able to communicate together work on problems and that kind of stuff and then they're just yeah. given a uh, this mandate that that doesn't ultimately lead to anything but then they're enforced into these meetings like every day um you know i think I think she was spending over 20 percent of her week in these regular meetings with you know the rest of her um, you know peers at a similar level to her and the reality was everyone was just having a good bitch fest for however many hours a week it was about whatever was going on and they never actually discussed anything um, but when they suggested that or when a few of them suggested that this was actually a real waste of their time and it could be more productive by doing other things it was oh no no you you must spend time together and you must it's like yeah but we're not getting anything we're and not, you're not a anything. team player then are you yeah and it yeah. was a just very you know, and I know, you know, the reality is a lot of people won't have been taught that or, you know, they don't know, don't see it from all angles or they just think, oh, we're giving them time to work together. And, you know, again, perhaps from the best best of intentions. But I think there's a there's a whole lot of. Um, I'm, I'm hesitating about saying bad management, having already said I don't think I've got all the answers and I'm not perfect at it. But I think at the same time, there's there's some fairly obvious I, I think know, stuff I, I that's glaringly obvious. There probably is, Ollie. Like I, I again, without keep referencing previous episodes, there was someone we were talking about people getting promoted above their station, and I don't mean station as in their their ability, but as in people would find themselves doing this job, and then when they get really good at this job, it's Dan Knowlton. He was saying he got really good at this job. He's a salesman, and then because he was so good at it, they promoted him. And that promotion meant that he be, then became um, a manager of salespeople. And he yep. said, I didn't, he goes, I didn't know anything about managing people. Yeah. He said, I wasn't a manager. I was a salesperson. He goes, but he said, but then you find all these people, someone else said it, Erica said it early on. And she was like, you suddenly, and I, 
again, it's one of those simple things that's so obvious in hindsight that people don't think about in business. People get promoted, promoted, promoted. Exactly to your point, and then they end up in these positions where they don't really know what they're doing. Yeah. And I don't mean that in a negative, like a harsh way on them. It's just they've, they've, that's not what they're experiencing. Well, when, when, when the bulk of their work becomes, whether it's managing people or, I mean, like in, in our case, you know, we, we, I've seen people that become IT managers that have, you know, in reality, they're just the guy that normally goes around and installs the software on all the desktops when there's an update. That doesn't, yeah. that doesn't qualify them in any way shape or form for all of the other particularly with compliance and all of the other stuff that we have to deal with in in our world more and more now yeah um and you know it's definitely true in uh, before you started saying that, i was thinking of that same story there you know if you're if you're the guy that sells the most well quite often you'll end up being a sales manager because you were the best person at selling well um um, no disrespect to anyone that's in sales, but most salespeople I know aren't managers, and and no. most of them would probably admit that. That's, in fairness, and that's across every sector and every yeah. department, right? It's not just sales; that's everywhere. Um, but yeah, but like I, I was, I said, and, like I was saying before, I think if you're if you're promoting people, even with the, you know, I'm not saying don't promote the best person in the team because it doesn't mean that they can't manage. It just means you need to support them more. Yeah. So, whether that's you know coaching or or mentoring or some sort of you know ultimately you know learning teaching of some description about how to become a manager particularly if there's people involved and it's a bit different if it's if you're not managing a team um that's a different skill set in fairness but most people are there's generally even if they're outsourcers you're still managing a team of people yeah funny enough when you were saying the story about management and meetings and whatever i I, and i won't name the company obviously but i went back to one (laughs) company i used to work for that did that all the time. It was like half the time was spent in meetings and and reporting for meetings and preparing for these meetings. Yeah, actually, not even more. It's more than half, probably. And he said, and I always thought this. I was like, if they just took that away, like how much time you could have to be to do productive things. But yeah, it's funny how these some some of these companies just find themselves getting into this rut of. That's the way we've always done it, or you know, they 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 grow so quickly that they need to have these infrastructures in place that just never really then get reviewed. And well, I I I think particularly with scale, you you see that quite a lot, don't you? You've yeah. got um, just lots of disparate stuff going on because you need to do all of the things, and they're all important, but there's not necessarily always the direction or the overall view or management of them. Um, I um. <sighs> And, and, and I will say, I think in most experiences, when I've you know talked to friends or what I've experienced myself, I, d- I don't think it's that people are making you do it just because they want to or because they can. I think it. I think there is some element of I think that's the right way to do it. Yeah. But there's there's but there is a lack of, you know, it's not coming from a place of knowledge. It's not being reviewed. It's not you know consider it if more you like. efficient or something yeah yeah i mean you know take take my friend's example you've got literally the most expensive people in their business um you know if you if you exclude if you exclude the board because i'd assume they're all paid handsomely but um if you if you you know they are the most expensive people in that business by some margin i forget we we sort of jokingly worked it out um, expensive meeting, a few months back yeah and, and it's like well what have we actually achieved out of this you know five thousand pound meeting yeah and, and and the answer often was well well nothing because we we've um we've just agreed on the date for the next one <laughs> you know that was the outcome and the same the same again next week yeah yeah and i don't know um i suppose on the flip side of that if people do try and read it without understand sorry go and read a book and they think that that's the best thing ever you've got to still understand that does that work in your business or your environment um with your people even and you know, do you get the outcomes that you want? I mean, yeah. we're tr- we've implemented bits and pieces of, of traction. I mentioned it earlier. Um, they the weekly meeting where we can monitor, you know, stats and figures and the three of us that are our SMT in our business, we, we do our damnedest to make it as quick as possible rather than just filling up the hour that's in the diary. Um, but yeah, let, we, me, let me, let me put something to you then. Why, why yeah. does it have to be an hour? Well, I think that's 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 kind of the point I was making. That's the because so, the hours sort of became the default, didn't it? Like or half an hour when it could yeah. be twenty minutes or twenty five for sure. I, in in actual fact, that meeting used to be diaried for an hour and a quarter because that's actually the structure that traction give you. So it's forget 
all of them because we've changed it anyway but there's a, a number of minutes per section where you feed back okay and then and then you've got a period of time to discuss you know the impressing important matters and then you you know spend 10 minutes wrapping up um just let me so that sorry. Was structured no go sorry. for it you've referenced traction a couple of times in our chat mm-hmm. what, what is it it's um oh god i've got the book uh gino wickman um okay. is the um author um it's the entrepreneurs operating system is the the, the oh. thing which they implement and Dan traction talked about EOS as well, yeah. Yeah, so tr- Traction's like the, the the main book, and there's, there's a few spin-off things. So, um, so my introduction to it originally was Rocket is it, Fuel. Is it a follow-on from Entrepreneurs Operating System? I think I think Traction is the implementation of EOS essentially oh, right, in your okay. business. I think I, I know that there's a you know a series of books. Um, so I someone recommend in fact he badgered me for months to read um, rocket fuel i okay. just kept going on that i needed to read it and i wish i had read it probably at the beginning of the several months of, of badgering rather than at the end okay um but but that takes you know some of the um elements of it but not not doing the whole piece because i mean that, you can't that part of traction and eos yeah. as well yeah so it's um it focuses a lot around um the visionary and the integrator as they refer to them in the business so the visionary is often you know the founder and got the ideas and the integrator is the person that broadly makes it happen okay um it's a bit more complicated than that but that, that's like the one sentence um version of it and then there's there's just a few elements within um rocket fuel from from eos that that you know that you can then start to embrace so the the meeting structure that i talked about um very briefly that that's where that comes from although it's covered in the main book Right, and then some of the elements of understanding who the business is and what you want to try and do. That again, in traction, the full book it goes into a lot more detail about. Okay, I'll, I'll link those in the show notes because that's, that's not the first time they've come up. In it's uh, worth like... reading. I think. I, I think again, like a lot of these things, you've got to be careful about the time it's going to take to implement it and what you expect to get out of it and all of that kind of stuff. But I, I found it really powerful. Yeah, and that, well, I mean, it's the second recommendation I've had in. I think Dan was about four episodes ago, so obviously something at least worth looking at, I think. Yeah. Okay. Um, Tell me one of the best pieces of advice you've seen or heard lately or ever, I guess, in fact. Yeah, definitely most recently. um, My my business partner, we... um, Less is more, long story short. Um, Okay. So um, not particularly groundbreaking or, you know, really kind of instrumental i suppose in lots of things but actually particularly in the scenario where that advice was given um it was it was really you know really powerful so i'll give you the context we had a situation with a previous employee um we had to let them go that we we were going through the whole solicitor's letter exchange after that sometimes sadly happens and the i think the solicitor's task was just to try and rile me into saying something or doing something that, that obviously we shouldn't really do. Um, and my natural kind of position is to want to correct someone if they've got something wrong, particularly if they've accused me personally of it, um, you know, try and make sure that it's all clear and, and, and kind of explain and that kind of stuff. Whereas actually my business partner was simple response was you don't need to answer or explain any of that. They're probably yeah. doing it on purpose don't engage just pretty much say yes or no so we were getting you know three page letters and the response was you already know our position or something along those lines um and actually it's it's very true and I, you know i'm a i'm a i'm a talker i like to try and explain and you know yeah. discuss things and actually it was quite hard but 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 you really you know really powerful solid piece of advice um when you think about the future what do you see I think it's a really hard question because part of me, you know, wants to see things. And then there's the other part of me that's just like, well, we've just gone through a pandemic that, all right, some people saw it coming, but, you know, nobody knew it was going to happen when it happened. No one knew what their ramifications were going to be and the war in Ukraine afterwards and all of the other kind of stuff. So sometimes, like when I was thinking about this, I was like, I don't know. Because every time I think, oh, this might happen or that might happen, you think, well, what about all of that? And what about if this happens? And um, 
you know those those kinds of things i i i hope and i'd like to see i suppose that maybe life's a bit slower life's a bit easier i think there's a lot of i think you know things can be really hard and difficult and um you know there's lots of stress and um people don't have time and patience for each other so much that's kind yeah. of my feelings the last couple of years um I'd, I'd like to see that happening i don't know if if i uh if i if it will actually happen is another story let me ask you another question then when when you think about the future would you say you are more optimistic or pessimistic um i think still optimistic um i don't know i think my 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 position on most things is still that whatever the problem is will generally come up with a way to resolve it yeah um i don't know and that that's kind of my mindset about a lot of stuff i suppose but you know we yeah obviously it took a quite a while and sadly lots of people kind of died but you know look at the look at the vaccines that we were managed to produce as quickly as we did versus you know what we did you know years and years before i just think that um i think we'll you know we'll always find a I hope anyway, we'll always find a solution or a way to fix things. I, I appreciate I'm, I'm saying that. And then someone's going to say global warming. We can't really <laughs> fix that. But um, I think, yeah, again, w- w- there's, there's ways of, of, you know, trying to resolve stuff and um, find ways to cope with it or live with it or deal with it in some way. That's the fixer in you, isn't it? It does. Yeah. <laughs> for my sins. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Last question for you then. And I will ask you after, we finished recording for you to share one with me for the next guest. But the previous guest wanted to know from you, what is one thing that people are not talking about right now that they should be? Oh God. Good question. It's a good question. Isn't it? I, 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 I tell you, it's been really interesting. I give you a time to think about it, but it's been interesting introducing this question into the, into the 10 because you, you never know where they're going to go with it. And actually some people have been very serious. Some people have been quite funny and, but they've all been really solid questions, mm. like really thought-provoking ones, to the point where I've actually started. I've, I've got them all list in a in a um, in a doc now because I'd always like I do like this concept of the ten questions. One negative of it is when I speak to a guest I really like, I can't get them back on the podcast because I can't ask the same questions again. <laughs> yeah. So one thing I've one way I've got around that now is obviously since I've introduced this question for the guests, I've now got a bank of questions I can, I can come back to. And I think what I'm going to do in the new year is start taking all these questions and then getting all my previous guests on again to, I don't know. I mean, I've currently got like 10 of them or something, but by the time new year comes around, I'll have 20 or 30 and then they can pick five that they like. And, you know, it's a good way of getting more content, but yeah, yeah, sure. I've, uh, uh, lots of ways you can use that, I guess, with just having people drop in with a, a different, uh, you know, you answer the same question and get different guests to just do that one or whatever. Oh, that's um, a good way. Yeah, that's a good way. That's a good way. And, and as much one. as I try and fluff, I'm still struggling for an answer for your question. And I, I feel really bad that I'm not sure my question's quite so powerful either. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling here. Um, I think it's very difficult. I think a lot of stuff is sort of talked about or mentioned, and and naturally that's what brings something to the you know to your mind or to the forefront of 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 um that's why you think about it in the first place so i guess it's it's more what's not being talked about enough rather than what's not being talked about at all i guess is probably okay go on then. let's, let's do it that it. way then what's, what's not being talked about enough um i'm still not sure if my answer is even going to answer that i'm trying to worm my way out of this i suppose i i think uh, so I, I absolutely and truly um, believe and I'm confident that hybrid working, for instance, is the way that is going to work for most businesses, most people. Okay. Um, what I think and and mostly people talk about the good side of it, the flexibility and how it benefits, um, you know, I think that how it benefits the staff in particular, it's this, the upsides. But I think that the, the downsides and the challenges and, you know, being a business owner, that some of the you know relative challenges that it causes or what i've seen it cause my clients um in some regards is is um probably doesn't get in doesn't get looked at enough um and again i think we can i can blame the media fairly comfortably with that because of course it's all 
um, you know, most of the talk is around, you know, the flexibility that people get. But of course, you know, we're a service business. We have to open, you know, nine till five thirty as we do. Um, yeah. Everyone that, you know, the whole kind of theme out there is, oh, you know, work when you want, be flexible, do this, do that, work from wherever you like. It's like, well, actually, we've still got some fairly rigid requirements as a business. Yeah. You know, we have to be there. We've got certain amounts of, you know, out of hours and on call and other service and stuff like that. And I think there's, there just isn't any real recognition or understanding of, of different people's, whether that's as a business, because you can't give your staff it, whether the staff are constrained because the business can't do it. But I don't know, there's an element of that, that, that I keep in, in different forms with different people. I keep button up against that kind of feeling. I actually think it's a really good answer. I think you're very right in what every time you hear about remote working or whatever, all people talk about is the good stuff. And don't get me wrong, there are positives. I'm currently sitting in my office at home and you know I didn't have to commute. I could take my daughter to school this morning and I will go and pick her up after we finished. And that's fantastic. But it's kind of weird in this world where it's everything is very binary. And again, I'm referencing another podcast now. Me and me and Joe Glover talked about it. It's like people just say, "Oh, it is one or the other." It's like, right, we have to remote work, and it's positive. But it's not always positive for everyone, right? Because you know, humans are tribal and whatever. Like, I don't know. There's a there's a bit of that, right? Yes, I don't want to pay thousands of pounds to commute on a busy train into london or manchester or birmingham or wherever it might be or you know i don't want to be out of the house for 12 hours because of my commute and my eight hours at my desk and whatever and i get that but that doesn't mean that the, the flip side is just all roses like you know there's there are negatives and i think it's interesting you bring it up because i think you know you said oh i don't have the answer i forgot an answer it but actually I think it's a very good, I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of other topics that, you know, if I'd asked other people would still get different um, responses. But it is funny how people don't reflect on the negative side of things. I think it's, at the, you know, there's lots of other things that are going on. I mean, the whole thing around electric cars, for instance, and the relative damage that, that or, or pollutants and whatever else you want to call it that they produce in the first place to create the batteries and all the other stuff. But I think that is getting talked about. Um, I think it's getting brushed away um, yeah. because it suits most of the governments to reduce the, you know, the, the petrol and the diesel emissions. That's a, you know, a different thing. But I think it's getting talked about, which is why, you know, it didn't sort of jump out just to use that kind of one as an example. Yeah. Um, I think I, I try, you know, I was an employee for years and, and I now, you know, run a business and I've got a team of staff and actually my sister works for me, which has added another um, dynamic, you know, into, into the, sort of management and into the into the business yeah. um but you know that, that whole kind of you, you want to try and be fair and you want to do right and you want to you know do do best by people uh but i think um more and more maybe i'm just turning into an old git i don't know but there's there's that more and more like you say it's it's always it's always the what's all of the positive for all of the staff and you know if you're not doing that then you're not a good employer and all of this kind of stuff but i think also you know it it again doesn't fit the narrative of who's talking about it i guess but it, yeah there, there isn't it's, it's a valid much point talked about from the other side ultimately it's like when everyone talks about like oh you know fair wages and stuff and again like you i'm sure i consider myself a, a an ethical businessman i guess if you like like i will always try and do best but there's always businesses out there that won't and it's kind of one of those weird situations where people talk about everyone gets lumped in together right as in you know you have to do this the employee has to have all this you know do this that and the other and i think that when people talk about staff not getting treated well there's a small handful of companies that don't do that or maybe there's big a lot of companies don't do it, i don't know but unfortunately everyone gets lumped in together right and then all of a sudden you kind of have to do things but ultimately your business is there trying to make money and keep a roof over you and your family's head and whatever like i don't know it's yeah it's a big, big one man be careful what you say I've, though you get cancelled yeah if well, you, uh... I, I think 
like you say, most people generally are trying to do the right thing, but there's obviously all of the other pressures and, um, you know, say, saying no because it's for all of the right reasons is still wrong Yeah. Um, often. So, yeah, it's a difficult, can be a difficult position to be in. Indeed. Okay. Um, I'm conscious of your time and I know we've run on a bit, especially probably not helped by me uh, forgetting to press record the first time around. Ollie, thank you so much for joining me this afternoon on Thank, thank you, you Interview. Where can people come and say hi, check out your offering, or even book up a outsourced IT solution if they need it? Um, ITTroubleFree.co.uk is the the, the website. Um, there's a contact us page on there, and that's got my calendarly and all the other contact details on there. That would probably be the best way. I'm on LinkedIn, of course, Ollie, O-L-L-Y, Denhard. Okay, I'll be sure to link to all of that stuff um, below in the show notes. Is there anything you want to say before we sign off this afternoon? No, thanks very much. I, I mean, really enjoyed it. And I think the uh, totally hear what you were saying before about the challenges with getting people to come back again. But um, I think the, the structure with the questions is really good. Oh, lovely to hear. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that was 10Q Interview with Mr. Ollie Denhard. If you made it to the end, thank you. I hope you enjoyed it. Feel free to share any thoughts on any of the social channels at Tenku Interview everywhere you may look. That's all from me for now. Make sure you subscribed or followed wherever you're listening to this. And the next Tenku Interview episode will be live in your feed very, very soon. If you can't wait till next week, there's plenty of amazingly good episodes up there already. So make sure to check them out, tenkuinterview.com. Anyway, enough from me. Speak to you soon. Thank you and bye.